Greetings. Welcome, everybody. Thanks so much for signing in. It's a beautiful morning here in Harare. My apologies for the, for the shiny head. Um, if you need to, to pause and put your sunglasses on, you're welcome to do that. Uh, just by way of an update with regard to Sunday services, under the current uh, lockdown regulations, we, are, we would be able to open our four different sites, but only to those who have been vaccinated. And we just feel that that would be divisive and not inclusive, which is what we, we want to be. We want to be inclusive and welcoming as a church. Um, some people have been told by the GPs not to get vaccinated. Others who want to um, haven't been able to, you know, over the past few months because there's been shortages and long queues. So for various reasons, um, folks haven't been able to get vaccinated. So we wanted to try and combine safety and inclusiveness. And so that's why we're meeting in people's homes in groups of up to about 10 people. Um, we're also hoping that when the government goes to level three, which we're expecting an announcement again uh, next week, because we had, had one uh, last week, that they will open up church services to people even though they haven't been vaccinated. So that's, that's our hope, but we'll keep you posted on that. In the meantime, uh, we are between two different preaching series. And what I'd like to do today is, is in a sense, do a little bit of mopping up to, to add a, some teaching to our series on the church. And I'd like to talk today about baptism. Um, and that's because we've been beating the drum for belonging to a local church. And one of the ways that we show we belong is by getting baptized. So I'd like to um, address four questions today. What is the reason for baptism? What is the meaning of baptism? Who are the subjects? In other words, who do we baptize? Um, how do you qualify? And then also, um, what is the mode of baptism? Is it by immersion? Is it by a little bit of sprinkling on the head? That's what I'd like to talk about. So before we dive in, let's just pray together. Father, we commit this time to you, and we ask that it would be set apart for you to do your work. We uh, want to come to you with open minds, with hearts that are full of faith, to, to be convinced by you, um, to put our faith and our trust in you, and to be obedient to you. And so we commit this time to you and ask, Holy Spirit, that you would work with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. First of all, let's have a look at the reason for baptism. I've come up with three reasons. Um, there are probably more, but I find these three pretty compelling. First of all, we, we get baptized because Jesus... Uh, set an example for us. In Matthew 13, uh, beg your pardon, Matthew 3, verses 13 to 17, let me just read to you. It'll be on your screen. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. So we get baptized because Jesus set an example for us to be baptized. We also get baptized because Jesus got his disciples to baptize when he was ministering with them. So in John chapter 4, verses 1 to 3. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples, so you can see how those two things go together, making disciples, baptizing them than John, 
Although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. He didn't want to draw attention to himself. He was starting to get a bit of a name. But can you see that what was happening, Jesus was making disciples and then he got the 12 apostles to baptize on his behalf, getting them into the habit and into the practice of baptizing people once they had turned away from their old way of life. So Christ was baptized. He taught his his disciples to baptize when he was on earth. And then lastly, Christ commanded his disciples to keep on baptizing after he had returned to heaven. You will all know this, um, most likely know the scripture, Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And Jesus came and he said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And of course, that's exactly what happened. We can see that uh, the disciples got this into their heads. Uh, On the day of Pentecost, the the disciples were most likely uh, in a big room. They were all in one big room. The Holy Spirit came down on them. There was a big commotion because they were all speaking and praising God in different tongues. People were drawn, a crowd was drawn to the windows. And I can just imagine Peter standing maybe at a first story window with a big audience of people. He preaches this very convincing sermon. And at the end of it, let's read from from Acts 2.37. They were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized every one of you. Can you see every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins? And so those who received his word were baptized. Those things go together. Receive the gospel message. They were baptized and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. So just to sum up this section, we get baptized because Jesus set an example for us by getting baptized himself. Jesus got his disciples to baptize when he was ministering with them on earth And then before he left, Jesus commanded his disciples to carry on baptizing. And that's exactly what they did. So those are the reasons for baptism. What about the meaning? And I've learned so much um, in studying this, and I hope that you do too. Firstly, let's talk about what baptism is not. Baptism is not a means of salvation. It's not like a vaccination that we can give to a child to make sure that they will become Christians. In other words, it is not essential for salvation. And it's so important that we get this. There are many ways to prove it, but I don't want to get too technical. So let me just give you one from Luke 23, verse 39. Once again, just allow the scripture to speak for itself. One of the criminals who was hanged railed at him saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the others rebuked him, saying, Do do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we're receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you came into your kingdom. Obviously, something happened in that moment when he was looking at Jesus. He, He recognized that Jesus was the king. 
the coming Messiah, the coming King of the kingdom of God. And he obviously believed in him. And so he says to him, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. He didn't say, Roman soldiers, please, we have a situation here. Can you get this man off the cross? Um, let's baptize him and then you can nail him back up again. No, he just said, today you will be with me in paradise. He didn't need to be baptized in order to be saved. So he was saved by grace alone, the free gift of salvation from God, not depending on anything that he had or hadn't done, through faith alone, in Christ alone as the Messiah. And of course, that's the great message of the Bible. Let's have a look at some words of Paul in his letter to the Ephesians. Chapter 2, verse 8, he says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. So, if baptism is not a means of salvation, then what is it? Here's the, here's the, the definition. It is a picture or a symbol of salvation. It's not a means of salvation, but it is a picture or a symbol of salvation. It shows through outward action what happens on the inside in a place that is hidden to other people in salvation. Now, if that's the case, what, what does it actually symbolize? If baptism is a symbol, what does it symbolize? And so we're going to have a look at four things that baptism symbolizes. First of all, and I think this is pretty obvious, it is, it is a symbol of being cleansed from sin. So, Think of this, for example. Saul was on the road to Damascus. Um, he's got this letter of permission to, to go and arrest Christians and to throw them into, into prison. He gets it from the high priest. But he didn't anticipate that he was going to be arrested by the risen Christ himself. So on the road to Damascus, Jesus appears to him. And Paul is, is so dazzled by the presence of the risen Christ and so blown away by the things that Jesus is saying to him that he actually falls off his horse and he's blinded. He cannot see. So they lead him into Damascus until a faithful Christian called Ananias comes to pray for his healing. And this is what Ananias said to Saul. 22, Acts 22, 14 to 16. The God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one and to hear a voice from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and what you have heard. So Paul was an apostle in the sense that he saw the risen Christ and received a commission from him. For him it was a little bit strange because he didn't, he didn't see Jesus uh, like the other disciples did. He was on the road to Damascus. And then in verse 16 Ananias says, And now why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. And so baptism is a symbol of cleansing. It's also a symbol of change. When you get baptized, you strip off your clothes. Um, and in our case, you put on a costume. <laughs> and then afterwards, you put on your clothes after coming out of the water. 
And this, this affords us a very powerful symbol. In Galatians 3, Paul tells us that putting, off your, putting on your clothes after baptism is a symbol of putting on Christ. Once you have been converted, the Bible tells us you are in Christ. So when you come out of the water and you dry off and you put on your clothes, you, it, it's a symbol of being converted and put into Christ, clothing yourself in Christ. Galatians 3, 26. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And folks, if you've put on Christ through baptism, then taking off your clothes before baptism is symbol, symbolic of putting off the things that don't go with Christ. And so Paul writes to the Colossians in chapter 3, verse 9. He says, don't lie to one another. Now that belongs to the old life. Those are the old clothes. Seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another. And if one is a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. So isn't that a wonderful symbol? It's, it symbolizes cleansing. It symbolizes change both of which occur when you are born into God's family. But there's more. And this is perhaps the most powerful image of all. It is a symbol of death and resurrection. Going into the water, under the water, symbolizes the death of your old self. It's like going down into the grave. And then coming out of the water is a symbol of being raised to new life. Let's spend a bit of time now in, in Romans chapter 6, starting at verse 1, because this is where Paul gives, in a sense, an exposition of the meaning and the symbolism of baptism. He starts off in verse 1 with a rhetorical question. He says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. So Paul's been arguing that a person gets put right with God through faith in Jesus' work rather than faith in his own work. In other words, we're saved by grace, this free gift of salvation from God, not through obedience to the law. And this, of course, made Paul's opponents livid because they were relying on their own actions, their own righteousness to put them right with God. And in fact, they were very proud of the kind of people that they were and how well they kept the law. And they had this objection. They were saying, well, if, if Paul preaches this message of grace, then people are going to do what they like. They're going to claim that the more they sin, the more God's grace needs to be given to them. And that'll in some way showcase God's grace. But Paul says, no, by no means. Such an understanding displays a poor understanding of salvation as symbolized by baptism. And so he asks the question, 
going on to verse 3. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Yes, we do sin from time to time, but that's different to living in it. How can we who died to sin still live in it? We don't enter saying sin. We don't get cozy and comfortable with sin. No, we do not sin so that grace may abound because we've died to sin. I wonder what that means. Well, Paul goes on to explain that Christ died not only in your place as a substitute, but also as your representative. And we don't often think about this. We, we, we do often think about Christ's substitutionary death. He died in my place. But what about Christ dying as my representative? Verse 3. Do you not know that all of us have been baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. And notice that Paul doesn't say here, we died like Christ. He says you died with Christ. When God looked upon Christ's dead body, he saw the corpse of your body of sin, the old man dead. But why did that need to be? Why did Christ need to die as our representative? He carries on to say, Continuing in verse 4, in order that, here's the purpose, here's the reason why, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So Christ died as your representative so that he could be raised as your representative as well. Verse 5 says, for if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. This is such a wonderful thing to know that the old man has died and that we've been raised as a new person, a new creation in Christ. But we still come back to this idea of what does it mean to be dead to sin? And Paul gives us some further clarification in the next verse, in verse 6. He says, We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. And here's the purpose of it all. So that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Folks, because you are identified with Christ's death and resurrection, because he represents you there, on the cross and coming out of the tomb, it means that there has been a change of ownership. There's been a change of master. Before you became a Christian, your master was sin. Sin owned you. Now that you've been born again and baptized, sin no longer owns you because there's been a change of ownership. Christ owns you. God owns you. Let me give you an illustration of this. When I employ somebody, maybe to work in my garden, let's call him Timothy, for example. I employ Timothy. I enter into um, a contract, an employment contract with Timothy. And there's certain obligations that I need to fulfill and obligations that he needs to fulfill under that uh, employment contract. Now, I can ask him to do things like take out the rubbish, cut the lawn, etc., etc. My obligation is to pay him and so on and so forth. Now, if Timothy resigns and 
he enters into an employment contract with Kevin Murrell, who lives next door. He is no longer under an obligation to do things for me that were controlled by the employment contract that we had because he's entered into a new contract. He's got a new employer, in a sense. He's got a new master. So I could stand at the wall and shout across to Timothy, Timothy, I wonder if you could just come and mow my lawn. And you know, Timothy could choose to do that if he wanted to, but he would not be under any obligation to do that. And that's, that's what baptism, that's what salvation and baptism pictures it does for us. There's been this change of ownership. I can still say yes to sin, but I no longer have to because I no longer have an obligation to obey the voice of sin. My obligation is with God. And so going under the water symbolizes that. It symbolizes the death of your old self. Coming out of the water is a symbol of being raised to new life. You're no longer a slave to sin. There's been a change of ownership. And all of this, all of this, folks, was made possible when your old self died with Christ and then you were raised with him to new life. That contract with sin was broken because you were now dead to sin. If Timothy died, I would, he would no longer have an obligation to me. And that's what this is all about. So baptism is a symbol of cleansing. It's a symbol of change. It's a symbol of death and resurrection. And then lastly, it is a symbol of joining. This is a quote from a man called Beasley Murray. He says, from the beginning, baptism in the New Testament communities was understood as a corporate as well as an individual right. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 to 13. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of the one spirit. Notice also, we, we had a look earlier at uh, Galatians 3, 26 to 28. It's going to be on your screen. You can see here that Paul's thinking passes immediately from the putting on of Christ in baptism to the concept of being part of a body. So he says here, for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. For you're all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you're Abraham's offspring is according to the promise. Just as a little aside here one of the things that we remember when we get baptized is that we're getting baptized into a body and in that body there is no space or room for socio-economic distinctions for racial distinctions if you look at other people in Zimbabwe maybe a Shona person looks in the belly an English person looks like or uh, looks at a, a Shona person we might think that there are distinctions in the body of Christ there are no distinctions when you just think of this just think of the difference between a greek a gentile and a jewish christian i tell you something there was a far greater chasm culturally and in every other way between those two people than there ever could be between us and another in zimbabwe and paul says there is neither jew nor greek slave 
nor free. So it's also a symbol of joining. So we've had a look now in some depth at the symbolism of baptism. Let's turn very briefly to the mode. How do we get to do it? Do we sprinkle on the head? Do we immerse? Is water an appropriate medium? Let's think about this. Well, if baptism symbolizes cleansing, a change of clothes, death of the old self, and a resurrection to new life, then the one, the mode of baptism that makes the most sense is baptism in water by full immersion. And there's also scriptural evidence that indicates that full immersion in water is the most appropriate mode of baptism. Let's take a look at those. John Baptist baptized at Anon because there was much water there. John 3.23. Uh, that's John the baptizer, not John the apostle. When he was baptized by John, it says in Mark 1 verse 10 that Jesus came up out of the water. Upon hearing the news, the good news, the Ethiopian eunuch said to Philip, See, here is water. What is to prevent my being baptized? Acts 8 verse 36. And then they both went down. It says into the water. Philip baptized them and they came up out of the water. So this is all evidence that baptism in water by full immersion makes the most sense if this is a symbol of what has happened on the inside. And then last of all, who gets to be baptized? Well, if baptism is a picture or a symbol of salvation, it makes sense to baptize believers. It doesn't make sense to baptize small children who haven't yet understood the full impact of the gospel message, who haven't had an opportunity yet to genuinely repent and exercise saving faith in Jesus. So we baptize believers. We don't baptize infants. And what we do do with infants is we ask the parents to dedicate them to the Lord. And we believe that that follows scripture. Jesus, for example, was dedicated by his parents when, when they took him up to the temple, um, when he was still an infant. And then, of course, another famous story in the Bible is, is Hannah, the mother of Samuel. When he was still an infant, just recently weaned, she took him up to the, to the temple, um, to Eli, and she dedicated him to the Lord. Let's tie this all together. Um, this is my conclusion. Last night, I just had such a special dream. Uh, what I dreamt was that I was at home um, and with the family and that amazingly Jesus was with us in the flesh. Um, I, the, I didn't get a sense of what he looked like or anything like that uh, simply because by the time I, I, I got into this dream, um, he'd already gone to the spare room and he was asleep. And I was just busy going to bed and lying down in, in, in bed and I thought to myself, isn't this amazing? Jesus is here in our spare room, in our house. Um, what could go wrong? I can go to sleep tonight without any fear or anxiety. And then suddenly it dawned on me in the dream that that's exactly what we enjoy every moment of every day if we've been born again. Because baptism tells us that we are in Christ. We are clothed with Christ. So that reassurance that I felt of Jesus actually being with us in the flesh 
was true of the fact, even though he isn't with us in the flesh anymore, but we are still in Christ. And so I think that this is, is a wonderful reassurance for us um, as believers. And so what I would like to, to do is just address three possible people or categories of people today. First of all, those exploring. You know, if you're curious about what I've been saying today, but you're still not convinced, that's fine. <laughs> Keep going until you get convinced, but don't give up. Keep going. Keep exploring. I've, I've been talking about some amazing things today. The implications of these things are earth-shattering for you. Um, so just keep exploring. You, you're on the verge. You could be on the verge of finding something amazing. Then, secondly, um, maybe you're like the thief today. You've actually come to that point, like the thief did, on the cross, where he's like, oh my word, this is Jesus. He's, he's the Son of God. He's the Messiah. He's offering me this free gift of salvation. And if that is the case, then I would, I would encourage you right today to go and pray to Jesus and just say, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom and just commit your life to Jesus. And then please get in touch with us so that we can talk about it some more and get you baptized because that's obviously the next step. Repent and be baptized. And then thirdly, if you are not baptized, but you believe but then this is an, a next step that you need to be considering, getting baptized. And it doesn't matter how old or young you are. Nobody's going to look down on you um, because maybe you've been a Christian for a long time. It's, it's a wonderful experience to be baptized, and I would encourage you to do it. So let's pray and just give thanks to God for this amazing ordinance of baptism. Father God, thank you. Thank you that when Jesus left, um, he, he, he gave us this command to be baptized. And Lord, when we, when we spent time as we have today just looking at the meaning of baptism, we are just blown away once again. And it happens to us on a daily basis by your grace, by the work that you've done, by how you change things in our lives. And so we, we just come before you and we thank you. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, trust that you have a wonderful day together and a good week in the week ahead. We'll be praying for you. Remember to contact us um, if you would like to know more or like to be baptized. After all, we're coming into summer. You're not even going to get cold if you get baptized now. Cheers for now and we'll uh, link up with you in the next few weeks. Goodbye.